Amen. What a wonderful song and what a wonderful time of worship this morning. I'm so thankful to be here today. I'm thankful to be among friends. Uh, Haven Baptist Church is a dear partner, treasured partner in the gospel. Uh, I have several friendships with uh, members here, uh, former members. Uh, Pastor Steve, who's moved on uh, to follow the Lord, was a dear friend of mine. I'm as Pastor Andrew mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm, I treasure his new friendship and continue to get to know him well. And uh, just a joy to be with you during the season as we celebrate the coming of our Savior through Advent. It's, it is, it's my favorite time of the year. Uh, I love to celebrate Christmas. It's, it's a wonderful season. Uh, yet, if you were to look in the culture, you would think that Everything is perfect this time of year, right? You, you, the culture tells us this is the most wonderful time of the year. We see the lights, we see the celebration, we see the, the joy, and certainly we have that. At the same time, this time of year is also, um, it can be some of the most difficult times for people. It can be uh, very challenging for many people. And sometimes we tend to gloss over that and we tend to ignore that in our culture and even in our churches. We're, it's a difficult time because we're reminded of loved ones that we've lost. And we're reminded of relationships that are broken. Um, dreams that are unfulfilled. And suffering that is unimaginable. And there's just something about the holidays that tends to remind us of all of the brokenness that we see in our own lives and the brokenness around us. And many are prone in this season to a type of what I would call spiritual depression. And I think that it is important for us to address that in the church and to talk about how can we encourage ourselves and how can we encourage one another in a time and a season that can be marked by such unimaginable pain and suffering. And I believe that Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 gives us a helpful framework to be able to understand how we can respond to spiritual depression. So if you have your Bible, let's look at Psalm 42 and 43. As you know, the Psalms were written as corporate worship songs for the church. They were written as a, a tool for the people of God to be able to sing praises to God. And I believe that as you study and read Psalm 42 and 43, that you can uh, understand them, yes, individually, but also together as, as one continual offering of praise to God. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to read Psalm 42 and 43 together. So Psalm 42 Verse 1, as we sang just a moment ago. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession 
to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Psalm 43, vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Verse 3, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. So the psalmist appears to be here in a desperate situation. He appears to be in a situation that we described earlier, a situation of spiritual depression. He has been separated from God's presence in the sanctuary. He's been isolated from God's people. And he longs to be back in God's presence. He longs to be with God again. We don't know the exact circumstances. But we do know that it is directly connected with enemies who despise God. And they despise God's people. And they are oppressing God's faithful servants. We don't know exactly where he is, but as we see in, in Psalm 42, uh, from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mazar, we see that wherever he is, he is far away from God. He's far away from God's temple. And we see his situation is not different than many of our situations. We ourselves are prone to this idea of spiritual depression. Spiritual depression can be isolating. Isolating from God. Feeling as if we are isolated from Him. Feeling as if we are isolated from others. 
especially this year. We make so many jokes about 2020, right? We have (laughs) everything that goes wrong, we just kind of blame it. Well, that's 2020 for you, right? But make no mistake, this has been a challenging year for us. This has been a challenging year for the church. I believe that in many ways the enemy has used this pandemic to bring about spiritual warfare in the church. To make it difficult for us to be together. To make it difficult for us to be able to to gather and to encourage one another. And to build one another up. To be able to come and to hear the word of God preached. Even in our church we've seen so many families that before the pandemic, who were, who were in need of discipleship, in need of building up, have, have, have been isolated from what they need the most because of this pandemic. And it has been so burdensome for me as a pastor and a leader in the church to see what the enemy has done through this pandemic and this year. At the same time, I am hopeful because I believe with all my heart That the Holy Spirit, if you see in the scriptures, the Holy Spirit uses pain and suffering. He uses persecution. He uses the scattering of God's people to bring about revival. He uses suffering to bring about more growth in the church. And I believe with all my heart, even though the enemy's work is powerful, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And I believe that the Lord will use 2020 to do wonderful things. And in the meantime, it is our job to keep ourselves encouraged, to keep our hearts fixed on Christ, and for us to do everything that we can to turn our eyes toward heaven. Even though as all the noise in this world will seek to drown us out, that we will focus on the Lord and wait for what he is going to do. And so in the psalm here, I believe we have a great example of how we can respond to spiritual depression. How we can respond to discouragement. And I want to say at the outset here, I certainly believe that depression can be a physical thing. I believe that there can be physical things that can cause discouragement and depression. And I believe in seeking physical care for those things. But you can't deny that there is an element of depression that is spiritual. And the one who will heal us from spiritual depression is God himself. So as we look to the psalmist, how does he respond so that we know how we can respond to spiritual depression? Number one, he remembers God's promises. So all of my points are going to have P's because I'm a Southern Baptist And I was trained in the Southern Baptist Seminary. And I want to make it easy for you. So all of my points are going to have peace. The first first point is that he remembers God's promises. Notice how the psalmist talks to himself, right? Now, if if you go out into the world and you talk to yourself, people don't think too highly of you, right? People might think that you might have lost your mind a little bit. But here we have an example of a good and a healthy way that we can talk to ourselves, that we can speak to ourselves. Notice that how he speaks to himself. Verse 5 and verse 11, and then verse 5 of Psalm 43. He says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? 
And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. These verses are the refrain. You can look at this, these two psalms as one big hymn of praise to God with a refrain, with a chorus. And these words where the psalmist is preaching to himself, where he is talking to himself, these, this, it, this can be considered the refrain. This is the part that you sing out loud. This is the part, this is the culmination of the song. This is the emphasis. And this is a beautiful picture of how we can speak to ourselves to keep ourselves encouraged in the face of spiritual depression. I'm reading a book right now by a British pastor by the name of Martin Lloyd-Jones, who is just a fascinating figure in church history. And he has an entire book written, composed of sermons that he gave on this subject of spiritual depression. And listen to this quote that Martin Lloyd-Jones says. He says, Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Take those thoughts that come to you in the moment when you wake up in the morning, those thoughts of spiritual depression. Take those thoughts. You must turn on yourself, upbraid yourself, condemn yourself, exhort yourself, and say to yourself, hope thou in God, instead of muttering in this depressed, unhappy way. You know, certainly we as Christians, our hearts, our lives, our minds are being redeemed and transformed. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are growing by God's grace. At the same time, the flesh, the sinful flesh that is in us is going to produce sinful, destructive thoughts and sinful, destructive thinking. And what Lloyd-Jones is saying here is that rather than listening to the narrative running in the background that the flesh would have us believe. That we have no reason to be joyful. That everything is going wrong in our lives. That we are not worthy. That we are, that we should be condemned. All of these negative thoughts that seek to work against the grace of God in our lives, that we should preach against those thoughts. That we should preach against those thoughts. And that we should speak truth to ourselves. So he talks about this idea, rather than listening to those thoughts, listening to those sinful negative thoughts that have you not believe the promises of God, that we should preach to ourselves, that we should preach the gospel to ourselves. And so what are some, what are some ways that we can do this? When we are depressed, how can we put this into action? Well, number one, I believe that it begins with knowing the promises of God. To study deeply the scriptures. As you read the scriptures, look to see who God says he is. What are the attributes of God that stand out as you read his word? What does God say about himself? What does God say about us who are in Christ? For those of us who've been redeemed and transformed, and those of us who are being saved and will one day stand before him perfectly in redemption and worship him, what does it say that God says about us. We should meditate on these truths and have them stored up, just like the psalmist says in 119, that we can hide these words in our heart so that what? 
that we might not sin against God. We hide the promises of God in our heart. We hide His Word in our heart so that when the time comes, when we are tempted to believe despairing thoughts and sinful thoughts, thoughts that question the character of God, is God really good? That we can go to those thoughts and we can preach the truth to themselves, to ourselves. So we can remind ourselves about the attributes of God. So in a moment of discouragement, you can say to yourself, don't be discouraged because God is sovereign. He is in control. Don't despair self because God is good. Don't lose hope because God's love is everlasting. We preach these truths to ourselves. Certainly it's important for us to listen to good preaching. I know that you've got great preaching here on a regular basis by God's grace in, at work in Pastor Andrew. Amen. I know that there are many options for us to download and listen to the contents of godly sermons from pastors and preachers who are faithfully preaching God's Word. We, have, we are living in an age where it is so accessible to hear good biblical preaching. But the most influential preacher in your life is yourself. The person who will stand up day by day and preach to yourself the truths of God. So we can question, just as the psalmist does here, we can question our questions. We can doubt our doubts. We push back against sinful thinking. And even in the midst of spiritual depression, when it seems like the fog won't lift, we can know and trust and we can declare to ourselves that one day it will, brothers and sisters. We can stand firm in the truth that one day the Lord will take everything that is broken for those who are in Christ and He will heal it and He will restore it. Amen. So number one, we remember the promises of God. Number two, He longs for God's people. He longs for God's people. Look at Psalm 42, verse 4 there. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. He remembers what it is like to be with the people of God in the place of worship. Brothers and sisters, we, we need one another. We need godly relationships in our lives. The Lord has designed it so that we are a body that works together. And if one part is missing, we all suffer. I hope that you have seen that this year. I hope that if 2020 has taught us anything, it's how desperately we need one another. We need the grace of God at work in one another's lives. People are hurting isolation has taken a toll on us and the church needs to be a place where broken people can come and experience in the healing and the building up that comes from the body of Christ and being a member of the body of Christ um, oftentimes I'm reminded of how difficult church can be for people who are suffering uh, there's one story that a, a, a trusted ministry friend of mine told me once of how uh, a woman ex experienced great loss. Uh, she had experienced a death of a loved one. 
and how, um, how difficult it was for her to lose this person. I can't remember if it was maybe a, a spouse or perhaps a mom or dad. And how she told him that she, she knew that her church loved her. She knew that the church was a safe place for her. But the Sunday after she lost this loved one, she just couldn't bring herself to go to her evangelical church. Because she knew that when she attended that there would be songs about how happy we are. And that people would have big smiles on their face. And that we would be encouraged to sing songs about how happy we are in Christ. And she said, I just couldn't bring myself to put on a face that wasn't true for me. And so she attended an, an Episcopal church in her town. And she knew that it was important for her to be sitting under gospel preaching and to be in a biblical church. But she just couldn't bring herself to go to her Southern Baptist service that day. And brothers and sisters, I don't think it's wrong for us to sing about how happy we are. I don't think it's wrong for us to be joyful. But at the same time, are we creating an environment where broken people can come and feel as if they're welcome in all of their brokenness, in all of their pain and sorrow? Are we, do we have genuine love and genuine community? How many people do you know who experienced a great deal of suffering and tragedy in their life, and it led to them stop attending church. I could list dozens. So we need to be God's people who are ready to minister to those who are broken and hurting. And, and part of that is because we don't know how to respond to people who are hurting and broken. We feel like we're just going to mess it up and make it worse. We don't know what to say. To people who are suffering. And I want to encourage you in my conversations with many people who have experienced spiritual depression and brokenness. It's not what you say. It's not what you don't say. It's your presence. It is your presence in the life of those who are hurting. The Lord will cover over any mistakes that we make. If we say the wrong thing, if we don't say it the right way. The Lord has grace for that. <laughs> the most important thing is that we make ourselves available to be in the presence of people who are suffering. Sometimes the most powerful thing, powerful thing that we can do is just to sit and cry with those who are suffering. And just to pray. And just to be with them. We have to be open to being with others when they suffer. And then we, conversely, who are suffering, we have to be open to letting others into our lives when we are suffering. We have to be willing to, to experience some of the pain that comes from just the brokenness of this world, but knowing that the Lord will use community and use relationships to bring the healing that is necessary. Isolation is deadly in suffering. And spiritual depression. There's times when we need someone to preach the gospel to us because we can't do it for ourselves. When we are so broken and so weak, when we can't muster up the words, hope in God, for I shall again praise him. We need dear, trusted brothers and sisters to say that to us. So we need one another. In my church, one of the most practical ways that we try to do this is through this little book. It's a membership directory. 
So outside of the Bible, this is the most important book in my whole study. It's a book that has the names and the faces of all of the members in our church. And it's nothing fancy. It's not an Olin Mills special with uh, the blue background and all the cheesy faces and everything. These are just black and white pictures of our church members that we take when we bring them into membership and we put them into the, bull, into the membership directory with contact information. And we keep this private. Uh, we don't just display this out for everyone to see. But we, I use this so that I can actively be praying for the members in my church. And we have a prayer guide in the front that just says these are the dates. You can pray for these pages. And we, we do this because this way I can stay in regular communication and reach out to members in my church to see how are you doing? How can I pray for you? And it's through these conversations that we've been able as pastors to uncover things that we had no idea was going on in the lives of our members. You can use this as a tool or you can use anything. But the point is that, that it is my responsibility, not just as a pastor, but as a member of the church, to care for the other members in my church, to be there, to be present in their lives. And so I want to encourage you to think through how can I, as a member of the church, bear out my responsibility to be a good brother and sister in Christ. So number two, he longs for God's people. Number three, he longs for God's presence. He longs for God's presence. In the Old Testament, being separated from the temple represented a physical separation from God. Remember, we're not in the New Covenant where we learn that, that the Spirit will dwell in the hearts of believers and that we will be sealed in the Holy Spirit, that we, under this Old Covenant, this picture of being separated from the temple was a, very, was a picture of being separated from the presence of God. And in verse 1 of Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2, we see the picture of how desperate he is for God's presence. He says, as the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Amen. Is this the kind of desperation that we have for God? Is this the kind of desire that we have for Him? And my, one of my greatest frustrations about my own heart and one of the greatest frustrations that I see when I'm trying to shepherd others is that when we are suffering, when we are spiritually depressed, we want the opposite. We want to run from God. We don't want to have fellowship with Him. That we are prone to wonder, right? As the hymn writer says. That we... We desperately want to run from God, just as Adam and Eve ran from God in Genesis 3. But the solution for us brothers and sisters is not to run from Him, but to run to Him. Amen. To run to the Lord, who stands ready to receive us with mercy. Just as the prodigal son's father ran to his son, his erring son, the Lord will run to you. In your suffering. And in Psalm 43, verses 3 to 4, the solution for his suffering 
is send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill. Then I will go. Where? The altar of God. To God my exceeding joy. The solution, the destination where the psalmist knows he must go is the altar of God. And the way, brothers and sisters, that we know that we can pursue this desire and this longing for God is through faith. That we must believe without seeing. Even in the midst of difficult times, even in the midst of pain and suffering and spiritual depression, we must, we must build up our faith. And we must say to ourselves that we are going to believe that God is good. We are going to believe that God is sovereign that he is loving and that he is there for us, even when it's so difficult to see that. Do we have this kind of faith? And if we don't, I want to encourage you to seek the Lord, to build up your desire and your faith for him through prayer, desperate prayer, and, and, and spending time in the word. And our last point, he remembers God's power. So he longs for God's presence, and last, he remembers God's power. He asks some pretty controversial questions in the psalm. He, he asks God, why have you rejected me? Why have you given me over to the enemy? And I, I don't think that these are a representation of bad theology on the part of the psalmist. I think that these are a representation of raw emotion. Where he is. Yet at the same time when he asks these stinging questions. Why have you rejected me? He also says in confident faith. He says I shall again praise him. I will go to the altar of God. I will praise you with the lyre. Why does he have this confidence? Why does he know that he will be redeemed and restored from the spiritual depression? The answer is in 42.6. He says, why are you cast? He says, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you. He remembers God's faithfulness in the past. So many times, brothers and sisters, the way that you and I can have hope for the future is to remember what God has done for us in the past. To remember the times that he has delivered you from that difficult season. The times that he healed those broken relationships. Those moments in life when life just didn't seem worth living. God was at work. And maybe not on your own time. And maybe not in your own way. But God delivered you. God saved us from our sins. Can we not trust him in the midst of our spiritual depression, in our darkest seasons, we remember the past faithfulness of God so we can have faith in what John Piper calls the future grace of God, the grace that will come, the grace that we know will come because God is faithful and he is just and he has never failed us. Amen? Amen. God has never failed us. So how has God demonstrated faithfulness to you in the past? That's your homework for today. As you go home, as you eat lunch with your family, as you have your quiet times and wind your day down, I want you to answer this question. How has God 
demonstrated faithfulness to you in the past. These things will be weapons for you to store up against the enemy when he comes and he tells you that God is not good. You can tell him God is good and he is faithful and this is how I know that. So our confidence that God will deliver us from suffering doesn't come from God's power to deliver us, just only that, but also our confidence comes from the fact that God is sovereign over our suffering. I remember there was one friendship when I lived back in Louisville, around the same time Pastor Andrew was there. Uh, We had some dear friends who were going through just the most difficult season. Uh, her, uh, Her liver was failing. And she was on a transplant list. And she was eagerly hoping for the ability to get a transplant because her, her, she had autoimmune diseases that were just fail, and her liver was just failing. And she and her husband were just dear friends of my wife and myself. And I remember we were sitting around one night during an in-home small group uh, and just going around and kind of sharing what was going on in our lives. And she shared with us just how discouraging and how disheartening it was to, to know that her life was so, in such a fragile state before the Lord and just waiting for a transplant and not knowing what was going to happen. And, but she pointed to this psalm and she said, I know that I am in good hands. Amen. I know that I'm in the hands of the Lord. And if I were to experience the ultimate pain and sorrow that leads to my death... I know that it comes from the hands of a good and sovereign God. And she pointed to the verse, she says, verse 7, whose waterfalls, they're God's. Whose breakers, whose waves, they're God's. God is the one who is sovereign over suffering. And I was just amazed at her faith that day. That God ultimately provided a liver for her. She's doing wonderful. She's doing great. She and her husband are thriving and serving in ministry. But she was prepared that day for the worst because she knew that no matter what happened, that her life was in the hands of a good and sovereign God. Amen. So, brothers and sisters, if you find yourself in this predicament, if you find yourself in a place of spiritual depression, I want to tell you, based on the authority of God's Word, from... The experience of a young man who's getting older, older and older by the day. God has been faithful and he will be faithful. I love what Martin Lloyd-Jones says uh, from that same book. After he encourages the reader to model what the psalmist says to do, he, he says this way. He says, end on this great note. Defy yourself. Defy others. And defy the devil and the whole world and say with the psalmist, I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance, who is also the health of my countenance and my God. Let's pray. Father, we love you because you first loved us. We know that we're in your hands. We know that no matter what the world 
and the flesh and the devil throw at us, God, that we know that we are safe and secure. God, even in the midst of depression and anxiety and fear, God, you are working. You have good purposes behind our suffering. So, Lord, even as many of us who are here today or watching online, Lord, we find ourselves at times at, in moments of despair. Yet, we know that we can turn to you, Lord. We can preach the truth to ourselves, God. We can long for and be ministered to by the presence of your people. Lord, we can remember your power demonstrated in our lives. And we can rest assured that you are good, Lord, and you work all things together for good to those who are called according to your purpose. I pray that you would strengthen the saints here at Haven Baptist Church. God, I pray that you would build up their faith so that they can continue to be a gospel witness in Madison, in Madison County, and throughout the the, the country, Lord, that you would continue to do wonderful things and to raise up gospel leaders in this community. I pray for Pastor Andrew and his family. I pray that you would continue to help him to be bold in his preaching of the gospel. And God, that you would heal the brokenhearted here at Haven and all across this world, and that you would do it in such a way that only you get the glory. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.